Welcome to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. Today on 30 Minutes, Ernesto Portillo Jr. speaks with Dolores Huerta. She is the subject of the new documentary Dolores, directed by Peter Bratt. At age 87 and still going strong, Dolores Huerta continues to be a leader in the fight for racial, class, and gender equality. She was an equal partner, co-founding the first farm workers union with Cesar and Helen Chavez, which later went on to be the United Farm Workers. The new documentary Dolores highlights her enormous contributions. First up on 30 Minutes, let's listen to the trailer for Dolores, which starts locally at the Loft Cinema on Friday, October 6th. Dolores Huerta will be at the Loft on Monday, October 9th, for a post-film Q&A. Dolores is an icon. She's a civil rights hero. She's the first general that I followed into war. She's not afraid to speak truth to power. Dolores Huerta, who is an old friend of mine. The FBI knew how dangerous Dolores was. Dolores came up with the slogan, Si se puede. Yes, we can. You were a young girl growing up in America in the 40s. You must have had a dream. After I had seen the miserable conditions of farm workers, Cesar Chavez said, we have to organize a union. You had this ambience all around you that you could really change the world. It's beyond question the largest gathering on behalf of farm workers in California history. I wish they'd all go back to where they came from. We had no labor troubles. She wasn't asking for permission. She just did what needed to be done. She has such a firm belief in what she's doing. We've never given up. That she infects you with it. Dolores Huerta. 90,000 people were poisoned in the fields of the United States of America. The farm workers founded the whole idea of environmental justice. Men were threatened by her power. She's a very volatile individual. She's an insult. People wanted to see her in a more traditional role. I left a couple of my children behind. That's part of the sacrifice that we made and that we had to make. And it still pains me when I think about it. People in power have no idea of the true heroes of this country. I would not have been able to see what's hidden in the fields of our country without Dolores. We're knee-deep in sexism when it comes to why she isn't studied and why people don't know her. Latina girls need to see statues of you. We really gotta set the record straight. I mean, women cannot be written out of history. And here's Ernesto Portillo Jr. with Dolores Huerta. Well, online here on KXCI, my pleasure to have Dolores Huerta, who is, I believe, in California uh, right now. And uh, Dolores, bienvenida a KXCI in Tucson, which it seems like a second home to you. Yes, it is. You've come here so many times uh, over the years, uh, with more than 60 years of, of activism. And you'll be here in town October 9th uh, uh, for the screening of the new documentary film about your life and your activism. Dolores, tell us a little bit about the, the film. 
Well, the film is uh, really, really uh, interesting, and we really want to encourage people to come to see it uh, because it's not only historical in terms of the work of the United Farm Workers Union, uh, but it's also a very current. And it has, by the way, a good a section of the movie talks about what happened in Arizona uh, with uh, you know the uh, getting rid of the ethnic studies program, and uh, has a shot there of Congressman Ruben Gallegos and his argument that he was having with <laughs> Mr. Thorne at that time, uh, you know, about my uh, my work. and uh, But the thing is that even though it's very historical, very dramatic, but it's also very relevant because it really talks about, when we see that film, we think about today's issues. And I think the main message about the film, it's about the power of ordinary people, like in this case, the Farmworkers Union, that were able to overcome, you know, the President of the United States, Richard Nixon, the governor of California, Ronald Reagan, the Farm Bureau Federation, which was the strongest organization of growers, and then the, the then Teamsters Union. I have to say the then because it's not the same union right. anymore. It's, right. a, it's a different union now, the Teamsters Union, but unable to win, oh, of course, with the help of the American public. And, which and was, then it talks, it talks about community organizing also. At the end of the film, it talks about the work that I'm doing with my foundation in terms of commu- community organizing. So... That's why I think it's it's really important for people to see it. And then what we're really, uh, when I, I'm traveling with the film all over the country, like a crazy lady, <laughs> and, and kind of encouraging people then to get engaged. And, right. and I'm, I'm saying that we have to build our own wall. We have to build our own wall of resistance and uh, get uh, progressive uh, con- uh, people elected so that we can then stop all of the negative policies that are coming out of the White House. Dolores, let me give uh, listeners a little uh, wider context. Uh, You began your activism organizing work in the mid-50s in California. You were born in New Mexico, but uh, grew up in in the Stockton area. And uh, you began your work with a community service organization. And in the early 1960s, uh, you and Cesar Chavez launched the National Farm Workers Association, which later became the United Farm Workers. And in the uh, notes by the director of the film, which will be screened at the loft beginning October 6th, and you will be here in town October 9th, director Peter Brat writes that you were deliberately erased from the history of the uh, creation and the development of farm worker union and farm worker rights. Do you feel that way, Dolores, that your role was erased or at least minimized? Well, I think where that came from, that didn't come from me. No, no, it came from the director, Peter Brutt. Yeah, and the reason I say it didn't come from me because uh, when you do this work, you don't do it for recognition, for historical recognition. You are doing this work to get the work done you know, to try to make improvements in people's lives. And when we think of the martyrs of the Farm Workers Union, you know, we had five people that were killed. We had Nan Friedman, who was uh, our first martyr, a young Jewish girl from uh, Boston who was killed in a, a strike in uh, cane fields in, in Florida. Uh, this was a strike by Jamaican, Haitian, African-American, and Mexican farm workers. And she was run down by a truck. And then our second martyr was a young Muslim, Naji Daifala. And he was killed by a, a deputy sheriff here in Kern County, near Bakersfield. And then our third martyr was Juan de la Cruz, who was actually shot while he was on the picket line with, with a bullet to his heart. And then our fourth martyr was Rufina Contreras, uh, a lettuce worker that probably worked down there in, in Yuma. 
In fact, I know he did because he was from Mexicali. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he uh, walked into a, a, a field of, uh, of, of uh, lettuce uh, strike breakers, people strike breakers that were breaking or striking the lettuce, and he was met with a hail of 80 bullets. And then our last one was that uh, uh, Rene Lopez, a young 19-year-old farm worker who organized his company to vote for the union. This is after we got the Agricultural Labor Relations Law, and then he was killed. And, uh, you know, so these are the people that really gave their lives for the movement, you know, for just basic human rights for farm workers to get toilets in the fields, to get cold drinking water, to get a, a rest period, to get the right to organize a union. The struggle of employment insurance, and these, so these. When you think about these yeah. people that gave up their lives, you know, then you think about, you know, what what is my role in that? I mean, you know, I was really fortunate and blessed to be a part of the, you know, when Cesar and I started the organization. But the thing I think, and this is what prompted uh, Carlos Santana and Peter Brad, but I think that when they did, they started doing the research. Then they found that when the uh, United Farm Workers had their fiftieth convention that somehow in the write-up of the history of the union, they forgot to put my name in it. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so I think that's kind of what prompted, yeah, you know, you their, make, their you, saying that. You made reference to Carlos Santana, the musician. He is one of the three executive producers of the, of the documentary film On Your Life. Well, well, I would say he, he is the executive producer. Other okay. people help. But he's the one that, this was his idea, uh, and he's the one that really paid for the film. How how involved were you in the making of the documentary? Uh, were you considered a, a consultant, uh, or did you just keep your hands off and let uh, Peter Brat and and the others create this yeah, film? But, yeah, pretty much. You know, the, um, my suggestions were not followed. What can I say? Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> one of the things that I really wanted to make sure, it, I w- and I would like to clarify this uh, right now in this conversation, is. Uh, there's a lot in the film about the sexism in the organization, and as you know, this sexism is in every organization practically. But uh, before Caesar died, we had women in, in the executive board of, of the union, and Arturo Rodriguez, who is the current president, uh, he also has a lot of women on his executive board and women that are organizers. And and as you know, so I have to say that I think that that bridge has been crossed pretty much by the United Farm Workers. In terms of having women in high in high positions in the organization, uh, the other thing is that the film makes it look like uh, like somehow the executive board didn't want me to be the president. Well, I chose not to be the president. I had been very involved in the feminist movement, getting women to run for office. We did a feminization of power campaign in 1992, 90, yeah, 1992, the year before Caesar passed away. And that was to get more women to run for office. So I was actually taking a leave of absence from the union. I was working in Washington, D.C., and uh, going throughout the country getting women to run for office. And we actually changed the face of the California state legislature in that year. So I chose not to run for the presidency of the United Farm Workers, and I uh, supported Arturo Rodriguez, who is still the president to this day. And so those are kind of like the... Like the the miss uh, they were corrections, were, yeah, <laughs> corrections for the film. And I wish you could do like a little corrections after after the film, you know, to let people know that because I think people take get a wrong impression. Well, appreciate the clarification. You're listening to Ernesto Portillo Jr. with Dolores Huerta ahead of the opening of a documentary about her life called Dolores on Thirty Minutes. 91.3 KXCI Tucson. Dolores, at the beginning of our conversation, uh, you mentioned Mexican-American studies, and of course, 
the very important part of your life, especially as it relates to Tucson. Let me give listeners, uh, again, some historical context. In April of uh, 2006, uh, you came to Tucson and, and you made a presentation at Tucson High School, which inflamed the then superintendent of schools, Tom Horn. Uh, he took great exception to a statement you made that uh, it was, it was that, that Republicans hate Latinos. And from that, he made war on Mexican-American studies in Tucson Unified School District. The state eventually banned Mexican-American studies. But just last month, a federal uh, magistrate, federal judge, ruled that the state enactment of its ban on Mexican-American studies was based on racism. Your reaction to that, Dolores? Well, I'm so happy to hear that that happened. And uh, and I think because of what happened in uh, Arizona, you know, we are advocating that we include uh, ethnic studies or the contributions of people of color, starting with kindergarten or pre-K, Head Start. Start there so we can really have every single child in our country learn about the contributions of people of color, starting with Native Americans who were the first slaves, who we have never given reparations for, for the land that we took from them, uh, the African slaves who built the White House, who built the Congress, who built many of the federal buildings that we have in, in Washington, D.C., in our state capitol, that have never been given credit. And then the people from Mexico and the Philippines and Japan and China and India, all of these people that were brought in here as wage slaves, we can say, you know, to build the infrastructure of the United States of America. And if we do not include that into our school books, that means that the racism and the bigotry will continue and our children of color will never be given given the dignity that they deserve. And, and what we was... will always feel like the second-class citizens. Right. And then at the same time, our white kids, you know, I'm just saying we don't want to grow any more neo-Nazis. And there are a few, aren't there? Yeah, they're out there. <laughs> what was sad in the, dis- in, in the long debate over Mexican-American studies, what got lost in the debate and discussion uh, intentionally by, by the state uh, power structure was that the Mexican-American studies program was a very successful academic and character-building program. Graduates of the program... Uh, who came from marginalized families, underrepresented families, uh, were found to be successful after high school. And I think that is one of the great uh, tragedies of the elimination of the program. Do you see any hope that uh, Mexican-American studies, not just here, but elsewhere, will, will spread and, be, and, and become part of the curriculum? Well, I think that we have to make it happen. I don't think we can expect others to do it. And that's why, again, going back to the to the film, the main message that we want to get out there is that people need to get involved, especially in voting and uh, supporting progressive candidates. Yeah, we need to get progressive candidates, people like Ugarihadwa. The congressman from uh, you know, Tucson. And Regina Reyes, you know, Regina, get them, get them elected to these offices so that we can start insisting that we get these... Uh, these ethnic studies and Mexican-American studies in our schools. Online with me is Dolores Huerta, a longtime activist, more than six decades of uh, uh, promoting human rights, civil rights, environmental rights, educational rights uh, throughout, uh, throughout the country. She is the subject of a new documentary, 
which will be uh, screened at the Lofts Theater. And on Monday, October 9th, she will be present uh, for the screening of the film Dolores. Uh, Dolores, in today's context of what is going on with President Trump and all that surrounds him, um, put your past and your activism in, in, in the context of what's going on today. Well, I think one of the things that we say also, you know, we're doing a lot of Q&As after the film, but we say to people, you know, not to get depressed, not to get cynical, you know, that uh, if anything, this is a call to action for us because we see that the racism is not very visible, uh, but it's also identifiable, which makes it easier to go after the racism that we have in our society. And uh, that it's time that all of us uh, take it upon ourselves that we've got to do something about it. And so we've got to get involved in making policy changes. But the way, again, that we make policy changes is by electing people to all of these school boards, city councils, commissions, supervisors, legislature, Congress, et cetera, to make sure that we, we get progressive po- uh, people in those in those positions. And then that's how, that's how we have to make the changes, you know, because they're the ones, people that are elected make the decisions, they make the policy decisions on the things that affect our lives, and especially on issues uh, like the one that we've been talking about. And uh, a lot of people that we know, as you know, that we have, especially in the Latino community, we have so many people throughout the country, millions, that could become citizens and haven't. And we say to them, look, put in your petition to become a citizen right now, and then you'll be able to vote in 2018 when we build that wall of resistance in the Congress. You know, you can elect somebody really good. And uh, so we have time and a lot, of the, uh, a lot of people that can vote but don't register to vote. And then a lot of them that are registered and don't vote. So we really have it within our own power, the Latino community, uh, to make these changes. And the main thing that my foundation, the Los Huerta Foundation, the work that we do is to empower people and tell them, nobody's going to make these changes for you. If you want these improvements in your community, in your city, in your state, you have to do it yourself. Nobody's going to do it for you. And that, I think that's the main, main message that we have to get out there, that people, we have to take that responsibility. If we want these changes, we're going to have to work for them. Dolores, going back to the unionization and the, and the right for collective bargaining, what is the state of affairs of, uh, of unions in the country, not just uh, agricultural workers, but, but workers uh, overall? Well, I think it's pretty sad, and that again, we need to get labor studies into our schools also, because kind of you know people talk they they say these anti-union things, and then they forget, hey, this is how we got the eight-hour day, this is how we got weekends, and how we got social security, unemployment insurance, disability insurance, workers' compensation, public education. If it were not for organized labor, for labor unions, we would not have any of these benefits that people take for granted. And so that's why we've got to support unions. And the greedy powers want to get rid of labor unions because they don't want organized resistance to what they're doing. You know, to a, a lot of a lot of the benefits that they're taking away from workers. Dolores, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. I believe it's my first time I've been able to interview you. Uh, a long admirer of your work, and uh, again, you're no stranger to Tucson. Bienvenida otra vez a su pueblo de Tucson and, of course, uh, to KXCI. Dolores, the film will be screened at the Loft Cinema Theater on Speedway on October 9th. Dolores Huerta will be present for the screening and be available for some question and answers. 
And uh, a few abrazos, I imagine, too. Right, Dolores? Yes, absolutely. And I look forward to seeing all, all of my friends in Tucson there. I love that city, you know. We'll have to leave it there. That was Ernesto Portillo, Jr., speaking with labor, environmental, and civil rights leader Dolores Huerta. She is the subject of a new documentary about her life, which opens on October 6th at The Loft. Dolores Huerta will be at The Loft Cinema on Monday, October 9th, for a post-filmed Q&A. Dolores Huerta is a frequent visitor to Tucson. In 2011, she told this story about labor leader Cesar Chavez's mother, Juana Chavez. I, I have to come to Tucson. This is my pilgrimage every year. And for those of you that may not know this, that uh, Cesar Chavez's mother was raised in, here in Tucson. She was brought across the border when she was only six months old. I paid two pennies to cross the border. They paid two cents to cross the border, and she was raised here in Tucson. And so she loved this place so much. Uh, she married late in life, but she was already in her 30s uh, when she married Caesar's uh, dad. Her name, by the way, was Juana Chavez. And um, then when uh, they were married, then he took her to Yuma. But she always loved Tucson. And so she would come once a year. She had to come uh, to come over to the mission. You know, she said she tenía que pagar una manda, right? <laughs> and everybody tell her, why don't you go to one of the California missions? No, she had to come to this mission here in Tucson. Uh, and I did like this story, too, because, you know, there's a building on the University of Arizona campus that's dedicated to Cesar, right? And uh, Richard Chavez, uh, Caesar's brother, uh, was here for the dedication. Uh, and he said, uh, he talked about what he was gonna say. And what he said is uh, his mother was actually the housekeeper and the cook for the president of the college, wow. uh, Juana Chavez. And, and uh, Richard said, if my mother would have known, if somebody would have told her that someday they would name a building on this campus for your son, she would have thought they were making fun of her. And I thought that was such a beautiful, beautiful statement. <laughs> and we'll end with Corrido de Dolores Huerta, number 39, by Los Lobos and Carmen Moreno from Si Se Puede. Thank you for listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. <laughs> Nuevo México, el 10 de abril nació Dolores Huerta. Nadie se lo imaginaba que ella iría a encabezar parte del gran movimiento. En Stockton, California, donde ella se crió, empezó a ver la injusticia. El campesino ha sufrido sin la representación que una unión les daría. Me acuerdo que allá en Deleno, el 62, se asoció con César Chávez. Y entre él y la Dolores formularon una unión que llegó a cambiar las leyes. Su Oh
ganado la flor de la paz, dolor, escuerda. Después que organizaron la gente en la unión, imponieron una huelga para hablar de los contratos también para negociar apuntaron a la huerta César Chávez les decía vamos a ganar esta huelga sin violencia la revolución social hay que ganarla con la paz derramar sangre no es La gente decía, hay dolores, no se puede La Dolores les contesta, este será nuestro grito Si sí se puede, si sí se puede Su sentir de mujer Dirigió por buen camino Del mejor Lord